It's 2022. Do you know where your consumer is? The Channel Mastery Podcast is created for executives who are obsessed with knowing everything about their target consumers, because that's what unlocks the future success and impact of our brands and businesses today. Every week on this podcast, we dig deep to bring you what's working and what's not when it comes to winning the attention of and building loyalty with your target consumer. We've got a lot to share, so let's get to it. And thanks so much to Verde Brand Communications for being the presenting sponsor of the Channel Mastery Podcast. Let's do this. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. So here we are in September, and most of the Channel Mastery audience are leading their teams through planning and budgeting. And especially brands, we're well aware that our consumers fall in love with us for what we stand for as brands in addition to what they buy from us. So I have a really great guest today who is going to be a great resource as you're doing your planning in terms of how you use your brand and your business as a vehicle for positive change, and more importantly, understanding your business voice and how it's possible to use that business voice to make real climate progress in 2023 and beyond. I wanted to introduce today Ashley Korenblatt, who is the Managing Director of Public Land Solutions and also the CEO of Western Spirit Cycling. It is so great to have you here today, Ashley. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. You are a busy, busy lady and executive, and I feel very fortunate to grab some of your time at this critical time of year. So it's a critical time of year in terms of our business cycle. It's also a critical period of change, as we discussed in our rehearsal call. We're going to get into all of that here on the show, but I wanted first to have you introduce yourself to some of our listeners who may not be familiar with the great work that you do. Um, well, you're so nice, and I'm so happy to be here. And I started in the outdoor industry running a bike factory called Merlin. We made titanium bikes. And then I moved to Moab and became an outfitter. And I own a company now called Western Spirit Cycling, and we do multi day bike tours on the public lands across the country. We're one of the largest holders of recreation permits on the public land system. And that has given me the chance to work in so many communities. And that led to the formation of Public Land Solutions. Public Land Solutions is a nonprofit, and we do two main things. We help communities that are transitioning from oil and gas and coal to recreation. So that means less carbon, more trails, which is pretty exciting. And we also work on the state and federal policies that affect that transition. So we worked a lot on the Land and Water Conservation Fund, which lots of outdoor companies did. And and we worked um, quite a bit on the Build Back Better bill, which then turned into the Inflation Reduction Act, where we got a lot, not everything, but a lot of what we were hoping for. And as you know, uh, to our listeners, we just did a, a great show with Adam Kramer from the Outdoor Alliance. And uh, we'll definitely link that as well as all of the um, resources that you hear in the conversation Ashley and I are going to have today at the show notes uh, under the veridaypr.com blog. So that'll be in the show notes. So as we're going into this, Ashley, as as I mentioned in the intro, we are in a critical period of change. The Inflation Reduction Act passed recently, and there is um, a lot of awareness and action happening to move to a climate-friendly way of living and doing business. And so I thought having you on the show today would be fantastic for leaders who are trying to basically 
you know, reconcile what their plans are going to be in terms of investing in how they want to engage their business to create positive change. And that's really changing just as the critical nature of transition around us with climate awareness is changing. So I, my point is, I think that you've inspired me to really share a broader message with our executive audience on the way that we need to consider how we're plugging our brand in. Yeah. And I would love for you to be able to highlight, like, what are some of the things we need to look around the corners on? How do we do this? I think there's a lot of like things that we hear and there's theories, but putting it into practice on a day-to-day basis. I'm so excited to just share your insights because you make it so actionable and it it feels possible when I listen to you talk about it. So I really wanted to share (laughs) you with my audience today. Sure. So, yeah. So where should we even start? Like, what do you think would be the best place for an executive to kind of like, all right, let's just clear where we normally are at this time of year in terms of how we're going to be budgeting or planning for this. And what should I be considering today to be the best corporate citizen I can be? Sure. And, And actually, some of the most effective things you can do cost almost nothing. So that's the good news. So, um, and I think that, we have to look back a little bit at, at our history, especially in the outdoor industry, of how we've engaged on public policy. And most of it has been focused on public land, which is totally appropriate. And we've had great success over the years with place-based conservation, picking a place, doing a campaign about it, and protecting it. And that's been an amazing um Uh, You know, the Conservation Alliance has done an amazing job of that over the years, and that's been a real comfortable place for our businesses to be um, in that we could link it to our sales. Like if there's nowhere to go hiking, there's no reason to buy a backpack or whatever. So you don't need a $400 raincoat to go to the grocery store. So so that place-based conservation is really um, effective. Now, it is can be expensive because it does involve a marketing campaign and, and tying in with conservation groups. And that can be a big commitment. And is, is, um, But that's, that's what the Conservation Alliance does so well, allows you to contribute to a lot of successes without having to um, incorporate it in your own marketing plan. So that's a great category. How does it affect climate? It does. It matters. We need these ecosystems to be protected. And when you protect acreage, you're generally protecting an ecosystem. Is it going to get the job done by itself? No. So what else have we done? We've all been looking at our own businesses and working on making our business practices as sustainable as possible, right? From transportation to soy ink on hang tags to, um, you know, better materials. Um, And there are lots of processes that companies are going through to become more sustainable. That too is super important. Um, the, the third category that not enough companies are, are participating in where there is a real opportunity and to move the needle and the cost is very low and we're working hard to make the management time involved very low. Um, but that place has to do with energy policy. So 70% of uh, climate problems are coming from burning fossil fuel. So what are we doing? We as a species are trying to pivot away from fossil fuel. And who's really providing the lead on that? The government, right? I mean, it's just not something that an individual business can make happen. Um, Even though there are lots of um, big venture funds and and investment communities that are focusing on on, um, 
pulling back from fossil fuel investments, we're still all really dependent on fossil fuel and it's going to be really challenging to move away from it. So ultimately, it is the government that's going to to make the rules. And great news, as Adam reported, the Inflation Reduction Act is a big step forward in um, incentivizing electric cars and changing the way we use fossil fuel. Are we done? Definitely not. We still have <laughs> lots more to do. And that's the opportunity that um, we could talk about is how you can use your business voice to keep moving that needle. I love that intro. So I want to get even more very base, okay? Because I, I definitely talk a lot on this podcast about using your brand or your business. Sometimes that's reach with my marketing background as a vehicle for positive change. And this goes back to like, Pam and Beaver, my first clients at Prana, teaching me how to really look through this lens as we're building audiences. And like, it, it even came down to like their hang tags, right? So that that's kind of how it was just embroiled into my brain and, and how I've always thought about it. But I'm really curious about this business voice. Can you add some context to that specifically? Because that's something that I think we all have and that we might overlook in terms of a, a tool uh, to sure. make this change happen. So if you employ people, in a congressional district, which by definition, everyone who owns a business in America does, uh-huh. then, I guess, unless you're in DC and that's a whole different set of problems. But um, if, you know, wherever your business is located, your, your representative cares about you because you're creating jobs in that community. Mm-hmm. And so when you take the trouble to show up and ask that representative to vote for something or not to vote for something or to pay attention to something, you just get more attention. That's important to them. They need business support. And when you think about uh, the people who have volunteered to serve and put themselves through the election process and have been elected um, and who are sincerely trying to bring change, the least we can do is step up and support those efforts, right? Mm -hmm. It can be confusing. There's a few reasons not to get involved. One, it takes a little bit of work to understand oil and gas, for example. And um, and you think, well, that's a whole different business. I don't know anything about that business. Who am I to tell them how to to run their business, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a legitimate concern. And furthermore, I use oil and gas every day, so I'm going to seem like a hypocrite, right? Right. But the reality is that to make any progress on climate change, we have to change the way we're using oil and gas. And while we are trying to transition away from it, it's going to take a minute. Yeah. And so during this time of transition, we need to be requiring best practices from the oil and gas companies as they develop uh, this resource, especially on public land. So so what does that mean? How so it's it's pivoting from I'm afraid to speak about this because I don't want to be called hypocritical to um hey as a user of oil and gas I have both a right and responsibility to to require best practices and to support our elected officials and our government the administration in in using in, in enforcing those best practices so that as we transition away from oil and gas, we're, we're doing it in the best possible way in the meantime. Right. And, and you're here today to basically 
help us as business leaders understand that. And, and I think that there's there are some steps. And you mentioned one of them that I'd love for you to, it may seem super captain obvious, but understanding some policies that might be important to your elected officials and that will affect your business. Is that a great place to start? And then teach us like, where do we go from there? Sure. And so, you know, direct impact on public lands. If you make anything used in the out of doors, you can tie it directly to your business. Mm-hmm. But but honestly, even if you can't do that, as an employer, as a business that is some way or how using oil and gas, you still have a, both a right and responsibility to, to require best practices in developing the oil and gas. So you don't have to get too hung up on tying directly to your business because ultimately, if we don't fix climate change, everyone's business is in trouble. Right. <laughs> so it doesn't have to be that, you know, visceral, like you're going to hurt the trail where people use my bikes. It, it's, it, it doesn't have to be that direct of a connection. Um, it's more saying, hey, I'm part of the business community in your district, and I am concerned about this and hope that you can vote the right way on this upcoming bill or um, uh, or whatever the support could be. But so. The first step is understanding just a little bit about the oil and gas business. And I'm going to give three pretty easy to understand examples of things that that have not been fixed in the Inflation Reduction Act that weren't part of the climate provisions that still need to be done. Okay. So one is uncapped wells, so orphaned wells. So the company pulled all the oil they could out of it. They sold it to a mom and pop operator. Those people don't have uh, enough money to cap it. There was a bond issued to cap the well when it was played out, but it's not enough money. And now it's just leaking. Bad, right? (laughs) Bad for trails, bad for communities, bad for the environment, right? And they're all over the place. Like they number in the thousands, tens of thousands. It's a problem. So the next one is... um, speculative leasing. So the way the system was set up, nobody knew where the oil and gas was. So it made sense to let the the operators nominate acres and say, we might want to drill here or there or back there or wherever. And unless there was a reason to say no, the, the Department of Interior, the Bureau of Land Management would say, okay, right? Yep. It was slightly more complicated than that, but but not much really. And um, <laughs> no, so now that leaves us with over 50% of the leased lands haven't been drilled. They're too remote. They're not productive. They won't be economically viable. They won't make money. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, those acres where we could be building trails and campgrounds and providing quality of life to various communities um, are tied up in leases. Right. So. So minimizing speculative leasing, adding some provision that they kind of got to prove that oil and gas might be economically possible in the place before we lease it to them. Mm -hmm. We, the American people, lease it to them. So speculative leasing. And then the third one has to do with adjacent lands. So even if you look at right the place they're nominating, the acres they're nominating, you need to look, is it right next to a national park? Is it right next to critical habitat? Is it right next to um, another type of recreation asset? So just forcing these um, screens to happen during the leasing process will go a long way towards making it better and healthier. Um, And uh, it's lifting up the system to using best practices as opposed to the practices that were appropriate in 1920 
when the Mineral Leasing Act was written. Oh my Set. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that was, I mean, so it's like orphaned wells, looking at adjacent lands and speculative leasing. All those are concepts that are not, we're not talking about parts per million of carbon. Uh-huh. You know, these are things that are pretty, pretty, that's all you need to know. That's all you need to know. And so if you think, wow, that sucks. And those are bad things. <laughs> and what, what can I do to, to help? You know, how can I, how can I move the needle towards more sustainable energy development? Um, there are a couple of things you could do. Now, most companies start from this place of cause marketing because mm-hmm. that they've had success and those those cause marketing campaigns um, have been very successful. And you think, well, if I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, I should go in big and do a big campaign and it should be a big, big deal. And that's great. Those things are important and they definitely have made a difference. But government works at a different pace. Like Adam described, we were all pretty shocked when the um, Inflation Reduction Act passed and all the climate provisions weren't still in it. Mm -hmm. Like that was like, stay up all night trying to make sure it was there, kind of reading about it and trying to get texting people to tell you what was happening and craziness. So government is is an ongoing process that is very inefficient. And therefore, very um, frustrating for most business people. Um, I mean, I've been to lobbying meetings with some business people, and we walk back into the hallway, and they say, well, he said no. I guess we're done. And I'm like, no, no, no. He said no today. And in that no was how we could get to yes. He wants us to go get these people on board and these people on board and make this adjustment. So the whole process is just, it's everything opposite from business. It's not linear. It's not rational. It's not always about spending money. It's just, it, it's it's much more mush, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so so here, there you are, your congressperson is um, thinking about voting on a bill because the, these reforms for oil and gas are have been introduced as bills in Congress. And that may be one way that we get them done. There is another way that I'll come back to you in a little bit, but um, but if it's going to be a bill, if it's going to run through Congress, every congressperson gets to vote on it. So not just the ones whose areas, whose um, constituencies are going to be affected by it, but everyone. So that means that any business in any congressional district could help push that congressperson's vote in the right direction by letting them know you care about it. and. Mm-hmm. Um, what we do at Public Land Solutions is we connect you to the staffer that is that is going to be briefing the congressman or woman, the congressperson on on what uh, on this issue. And so instead of just writing a letter, which is still also really important, but mm-hmm. we're able to get if you take a thirty minute call because that's all the staffers are going to give us anyway. It won't even be a whole hour. Um, <laughs> you can do a really quick call and and. All you have to, you're showing up, like 90% of the battle is you showed up for the call and they got a call that day from a business leader, an employer in their constituency that wants to see this happen. So Lifetime Sea Otter Classic Summit 2023 is joining Faraday Brand Communications as our sponsor for this new year. 
The goal is to deliver the solutions and best-in-class resources presented to executives in the outdoor recreation industries at the summit to you every week on the Channel Mastery Podcast. And we couldn't be more excited to exceed your expectations on that goal every week. So at the summit earlier this year in April 2022, right before the Sea Otter Classic, we gathered over 200 executive leaders from the outdoor, bike, endurance, and vehicle-supported adventure markets for two days of business intelligence, specialty market resourcing, and peer networking. It was awesome because it happened right before the Sea Otter Classic, which literally had about 80,000 consumers there. And guess how many people camped at the Sea Otter for multiple nights? Almost 7,000. Okay, this is a a very special consumer event and to have this right before it is huge. We're going to share all the details on the 2023 summit in a very uh, near-term episode here and watch, uh, we'll be announcing things from a marketing standpoint, but I just wanted to make sure and thank Lifetime and Verde Brand Communications. Thank you so much. Awesome. And you're creating a turnkey solution for leaders to do that in outdoor recreation. Yeah. So we we work on um, calls. We do sign-on letters that are very specific and you know to the right person <laughs> about uh, in the in the administration. So, for example, some of these problems with oil and glass can be changed through the Department of Interior. So we would do. We'll be working on a letter to Deb Holland, the Secretary of the Interior, about these oil and gas reforms. And if we, you know, the more businesses that say, "Yeah, that makes sense to me," let's support this. Um, that sign that letter, the more weight it will carry. Awesome. And so it's basically about going beyond the letter, which is still important, but it's, all, you know, we are relationship-based leaders in this space. Right. And you're basically encouraging us to like find that gatekeeper within our elected officials right. office, if you will, and like make that relationship. And that in addition to the letter, I think is is the business, the beginning business voice. Sure. And and that's what Public Land Solutions does. We work with dozens of companies that are interested in this and we offer them these opportunities to participate. And, you know, sometimes they, they don't fit for them and they can't participate and that's fine. But we never speak on their behalf. So, so Public Land Solutions is very much um, uh, a SWAT team effort. We have a lot of foundation funding we don't um we we aren't a membership organization so instead we we are able to um just do this background work help the business understand it and make a decision if they want to get involved and then at what level and, um occasionally we have funding to do a trip to DC where we're um we're taking care of all the expense and you get to go and meet your congressman and and uh say it in person which um, you know, OIA is able to do that type of thing. A lot of people do, you know, those Hill events. These are mm-hmm. a little more specific and targeted, especially to your um, delegation. And, and we can get into the weeds a little bit more because it's a um, just a small group going to DC, not a huge group. Right. Well, I do think it's, again, what this show is about is I think a lot of leaders are familiar with whether it's People for Bikes or Conservation Alliance or OIA doing these trips and inviting them, right? Right. Tell us what the difference is today as we're looking at using our business voice for energy reform, which honestly feels much different in addition to what we do for place-based conservation and sustainable business practices. This feels different. It's like, wow, I can really affect that. Okay, show me how. And so if I was to sign on to one of these trips where I'm going to actually meet with them in person, 
What does that look like today versus maybe something that an executive was used to investing time in in the past? And and why is it more important to do that today than ever before due to what, you know, just the critical nature of like this window of change we're living through? Sure. One of the problems that is that any, well, all the larger organizations have critical roles to play and they're super important and they've, you know, we would not be as far along as we are without them and they're, they're super important, but because they're membership driven, it's, it's sometimes difficult to find an issue that's broad enough for all the members to support. Okay. And we did do that with the land and water conservation fund for years. Everyone, all of those groups supported the land and water conservation fund. It was very, um, you know, that was taking offshore oil and gas money and using it to build recreation assets in every county in America. And we got that passed and we got it fully funded forever. So I thought I was going to be lobbying that for the rest of my life, but I don't have to lobby for that anymore. And really, um, so I think that probably what some of the larger organizations are starting to move to is going to be lobbying for more funding for the federal agencies the, the Forest Service and the BLM are not able to really meet community demand. There are trail proposals sitting on the desk of BLM people all over the country that are not getting built. Okay. And that's because of a lack of staffing for, for the BLM. And so I feel like that we're all going to move towards that being the big um, unifying uh, uh, issue that we can all lobby for. But in the meantime, all these other really important reforms are happening that they don't have a logo or a brand. It's just, it's a bill or a rulemaking. It's a little geeky, you know? Uh-huh. And so there's no, there's no, um, I mean, they did try to kind of build a brand around Build Back Better. And that was, you know, those kind of huge bills have have a coalition and some branding. Um, but a lot of these important reforms are just geeky and are not going to enjoy that. And also, if you have a big organization, by definition, some of your members might not agree. And so those organizations can't always speak um, on some of these more specific proposals because they all their all their members have not bought into it. Right. And you don't think that we can kind of put the umbrella of like energy reform or climate change mitigation over that so that everybody does agree? (laughs) Well, I would love that, but I'll tell you, I'll give you an example. Okay. So when President Biden got elected, he issued a pause on leasing on the federal lands. And I called the Outdoor Industry Association and said, hey guys, what do you think? Can you support the leasing pause? Or would you be willing to see if your members support it? And they said, we believe in carbon neutral public lands, but we can't support the leasing pause. Huh, interesting. Yeah. So it was just really like splitting hairs over messaging and language. Well, they have members that are pro oil and gas. Okay, got it. And so does, I mean, this is the challenge, like having a unified voice like the Conservation Alliance, like the People for Bikes, and even like OAA can sometimes be super powerful, really effective. But there are other times when all the members don't agree. Yeah. And, and furthermore, you just can't move fast enough. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like when we were scrambling to keep those oil and gas reforms in the Inflation Reduction Act, we we didn't have time to pull the members. You know, we we needed a few business voices to speak to the right people who were working on the bill at the right moment. And right. that's the kind of work we do to keep to keep so once you understand that government is an ongoing process where people are constantly talking to each other and suddenly there's somebody important talking to somebody else important and you want to make sure they're saying the thing that's going to, you right. want them to say and so that's where as a ceo of a company you could influence what is being said and how that works i um, see okay that's yeah. actually really powerful and the i think that the main takeaway is it actually will make an impact because i think a lot of us are just feeling like the institutions are not as effective that they as they used to be and our elected officials might not be able to help us just from looking at what we've lived through in the past, you know, sure. four or five well, years, it, et cetera. It, it's, I mean, the institutions, meaning the government, it, it, is, um, it is easy to get discouraged, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, but we passed Land and Water Conservation Fund during the Trump administration right. and fully funded it for the rest of time. <laughs> like it gets $90 million every year. Like wow. it is, yeah. I mean, so that's the point. You can't give up on the process, right? Mm-hmm. And I definitely want to be clear, like all the organizations, People for Bikes and OIA and everyone, um, they they play a really important role. It's just, there's this kind of cleanup um, and needle pushing <laughs> that, that, that that is hard for them, but it's actually easier for individual businesses to jump in in certain congressional districts or just to do it. And and let's just go down that path a little bit more. Let's say you are really worried about orphaned wells, like these wells, and you, you've seen one, like you've driven past one on the way to the trailhead, or you saw one when you were visiting Moab or whatever. And that's something you're worried about. So if you make that decision, we're not doing a cause marketing campaign on this. I'm not going to my board or my marketing team and making a huge thing and putting this in the budget. I'm not doing that. But what I am going to do is I'm going to let, I I would like to help. And so I would like to do a quick call with my, um, the right staffer for my congressperson or the right person at the Department of Interior. And, um, and so I'm interested in doing that. Now, let's say you do that. You, you do a call and you tell them why you care and you, and that, you know, you are pushing the needle there. And then you got to decide, am I going to tell anybody I did that call? Like, Am I going to tweet about it or post it somewhere or am I going to make a thing about it? And that's really um, sort of up to you, right? And what what we've seen some companies do is sort of put that work in the bank, right? Like, okay, we did something and we can we can refer to it. Maybe we won't make a big thing of it today, but but as we do other things, it 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 um, beefs up your credentials as a company who's actually working to make a difference and deciding on when you want to publicize that fact that you're doing that work is up to you and, and could be, um, you know, later on in the process or maybe appropriate at the time, depending on the situation, but there's no, you're still really effective, even if you don't tweet about it. And no, that's hard to believe. (laughs) I think a lot of people actually would find solace in what you just said, just because there's such a call out culture still. And as you said at the beginning of our conversation, we're all still using oil and gas. We're creating products with petroleum and we definitely don't necessarily feel like we're like the best suited, if you will, for uh, energy reform. 
lobbying. Um, mm-hmm. And I love what, like the the thing that I love is that you're you're honoring the foundation that we have with People for Bikes, with OIA, with Conservation Alliance, and, and a number of other super important organizations that we've all supported as we've, you know, gone through our careers. But I love that you're also enabling us to see what we can do as a standalone business voice when deployed at just the right moment yeah. to make something move, right? And that's what I think you're really driving at with the public land solutions toolkit, if you will, or pathway. And I'd love for you to talk about that as we like wrap up today. How does a business operator learn more about that as they're like really wanting to know, like, I'm really ready to make a difference. I'm scared right now for the future. (laughs) And I'm happy to like continue to support all these great organizations. I need to do that. But I'm also interested in like maybe doing what I can as a standalone business voice. Like, Where do I go for that information? Well, so a lot of companies that have got someone on their team now that is doing sustainability work, um, we are starting to talk to those folks about adding this policy work and legislative work um, to to the list, which is a lot, I know, because the sustainability job is already a heavy lift. But um, that's why we're trying to make it really um, read the one pager, get this half hour call on your schedule and you did it. You know, that's that's it. Um, for now, we, we might be coming back to you later, but um, but so um, so one way is to is to task your sustainability team person, what, whatever you've got going on. Um, with adding policy to the to the list. So not only do we support certain place-based conservation, we also, and we're also doing our best to, to make our operation as sustainable as possible and making great progress there. And then this third, third leg of the stool of we are also engaged in the policy work. And um uh you know separating it from a marketing question is is really the first way to think about it. It doesn't mm-hmm. not really it may eventually become about marketing. It may eventually become part of your um bona fides, your portfolio, your resume as a company, your reputation. And so having gotten involved and starting to be be understand how this works and get a little bit involved is really um can can be really important. But yeah, I mean we're we are we have a big list of companies we work with and we're always looking for more. And um, especially in diverse congressional districts, I've had quite sometimes like scouring the map, like there must be somebody in the outdoor world who, who lives in this congressman's, this congressperson's district. But, um, <laughs> but no, but it, 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 that's really, um, that's really the first step is to just start to look at it. And then once we we usually just do a call to find out what you're interested in, where exactly you are, what are the issues in your neighborhood, and we do kind of look, give you a little background if if you don't already know or if you want to know more about your own representatives, your senator and your congressman, and then you're kind of ready, right? And then as the issues come up, we would we would shoot you the quick email that says we're doing a letter or we've got an opportunity for a call with this with this um, uh, this important person and are could you join us? You know. Um, so that's really how it starts. And we and like I said, you don't there's no membership fee, there's no um commitment at all. It's just if you're interested in learning, we can help and then um and then you're then you're then you're ready to be there when the moment calls for it. That does sound like a relatively light lift aligned with the word policy, which normally doesn't happen at the same time. 
That's right. Um, I really and like no that. money, no funding, no money is needed. Right. Not, I, I love that too. And I also yeah. just think that only a, an executive and an entrepreneur could think of this solution. Like that's, it's like who you are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to create this, like, I'm going to make this easy and efficient as possible, as easy and efficient as possible for business leaders to take this on. And it sounds like the more of us that you have in your ranks, the more effective you can be in terms of being just laser focused and targeted at the right time with the right voices. Right, right. And, you know, it's true. I did come from, you know, before we started Public Land Solutions, when I was um, just doing Western Spirit, um, you know, I would get the call. Can you send this letter? Can you do this? Can you do that? And a lot of times the letter really wasn't in the business voice. Like they were missing the opportunity to make the case from the business perspective. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the reasons that I started thinking we need to write these letters differently. Like, yes, the conservation community needs to write letters and they need to say whatever they need to say, but but there isn't there's this different angle. The business angle is different. Yes, we care about the wildlife. Yes, we care about the salmon, and yes, we care about you know, all the animals, but, but we have an opportunity to make the case from a different perspective, from the economic development perspective. And that's, and we've had a lot of success, like organizing that economic development voice, that business voice and having a one-two punch with the conservation community. So they'll send a letter that says X and we send a letter that says Y, and that can really um, leave our target with nowhere to go, but to vote the right way. Awesome. I love it. So if you're interested in learning more about this, head over to Public Land Solutions. No, it's not. It's publiclandsolutions.org. <laughs> My bad. I, I'm reading it and it looks like it was lands. No Publiclandsolutions.org. Yes. And um, there's plenty of uh, opportunity there to learn more. And um, there's also, I'm sure, an intake form there, right, Ashley? Sure. Like, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and we would just love to get as many of you as possible to learn more about how to use your unique perspective as a business leader and your business voice to create more traction during this critical window where we're really all wanting to see the same thing, which is energy reform and a healthier climate future. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And, um, I, I'll share this as far and wide as possible, but please don't hesitate to reach out to Ashley. She's an incredible resource. She's super passionate about this and she and her team are there to help. So thank you again for your time today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and thanks to everyone who's listening. Yep, more to come on this uh, with future episodes, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Channel Mastery Podcast. Please give us a thumbs up if you like what you hear, share it with a colleague or friend, And also make sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. 